We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to CFB Nation, presented by Twisted Tea. So I'm gonna put my money where my mouth is, and I'm gonna start trying to do this more often. So if you're gonna be critical of somebody's ranking or the rankings process, then I think you should be someone that has a ranking process of your own. And so what I've done, and I've been working on this for a little bit, of studying different different uh, aspects of the football team and teams, and I've I've made some conference predictions so far. I've got a couple other Power Fives I got to work through. But I don't need to work through those to have a top 25 because here's my view of a preseason top 25. A preseason top 25 is a combination of several factors. It's what you did the previous seasons, seasons, because I do think trends can matter, or at least to, to varying degrees. I think another or not, a, another aspect of a preseason top 25 that should factor is what you have coming back. So I've said before, you're the champs until somebody beats you, unless there, unless there's some sort of weird circumstance where you lose a ton. And I think LSU 2019 going into 2020 was a perfect example. Lost a ton of players from that team. Lost the offensive offensive play caller, the pass game guy that was so impactful for them. So there's always exceptions to the rule, but that's why you take all these things to account. What you did the past season and then seasons matters. Uh, when you look at the, an aspect of the pre of the of a preseason ranking, the, what you return is there a lot of coaching turnover. There's a lot of different aspects of that that go into what a preseason top twenty five should be, and it's more of it for me. It's more of a this is where I think people should start to begin the season with a little bit of projection involved, but it's not a projection for an entire season. I don't think a a preseason top twenty five should be mostly about what you think teams will be when the season's over. It's it's a ga- it's the best gauge that I can possibly come up with and what other people should come up with of where teams should be now. And that's to me what a preseason ranking should be. So, for example, uh, I will say this, obviously my preseason top 4 is not going to look a whole lot like my college football playoff prediction. In in my preseason ranking, you're going to find that I have two teams flipped in my preseason top 25 
from where I have them when I predicted my comp, my Big Ten conference rankings, for example. Because again, this preseason top 25 is more about where I think teams should be going into week zero into week one of the college football season. So it's a little bit of a projection, but more, but not as much as, as if I'm making a conference prediction or I'm making a college football playoff prediction. So I just want to make sure people understand that. Cause if you see a top 25 and you go back to the end of the year and you're like, ah, you were wrong. You thought so-and-so was going to be a playoff team. I'm, nope. I didn't say that team was going to be a playoff team. I said that that team should have been ranked there going into week one. And my play, I will have at least one team for sure because I have not figured out all four of my playoff teams yet. I've got three down right now. Uh, I'll only tell you two of them because I've already told you them already. I have Notre Dame in the college football playoff and I have Ohio State in the college football playoff. So those two I have in there right now. Notre Dame, I'm going to have not ranked in the top four because, again, they don't deserve to be in the top four right now. I think they have a chance to earn it by the time the season's over with. But to me, Notre Dame doesn't deserve it. And there's going to be some rankings here that I know you guys are not going to like. So um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get to a lot of the takes as I kind of go through this because I've got to read and talk and all that kind of stuff. But I'll try to get some of the the reactions. Obviously, if you have a a strong reaction that you want me to see, you put a super chat in there and I'll definitely see that one. So without further ado, this is going to be my first video edition that I've ever done of my IB Top 25. I've done Top 25s before. I'm going to do this weekly. During the season, I don't know if I'm going to do it on video as much. I may do it on CFB Nation, but it's definitely something I'm going to do every week on Irish on the Irish Breakdown message board for sure. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a powerful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, 
I'm going to go 25 to 20. I'm going to go 25 to one. So I'll start off kind of, it's kind of like how the college football playoff rankings do it and, and, uh, and, and look at it that way. So here is my top 25, starting off number 25. I have the two lane green wave number 25. I see, I see some people have two lane higher and I understand it. You've got Michael Pratt coming back. I think Willie Fritz has done a great job there. Uh, I just don't, I just can't justify having them in there because of how much they lost. I think Tulane is, is or Tulane has a chance to be a, a really good football team again. They could make my ranking look a little bit silly. I think one plus for Tulane is that the conference is not as strong, in my opinion, this year as it was last year. They don't have to beat Cincinnati this year, who I think that probably would have been a little bit easier than it would have been last year. Uh, they don't have to beat uh, UCF, who's now gone. They don't have to beat Houston, who is now gone. So those teams have now obviously gone to the Big 12. Now the conference is, is Tulane is a part of it, but it's Charlotte, East Carolina, Florida Atlantic, Memphis, Navy, North Texas, Rice, SMU, South Florida, Temple, Tulsa, UAB, and UTSA. And as you can tell by my top 25, I the two best two UT, uh, American, athletic, American Athletic Conference teams I have are Tulane and UTSA. The reason I go with two, UTSA over top of Tulane is number one. Even though I like what some what some of Tulane has coming back, I like Michael Pratt. I think Frank Harris is a better college quarterback. I understand why people might view Michael Pratt as a better pro prospect. It makes total sense. Better body, big arm, uh, good athlete. There's a lot of reasons to like Michael Pratt as a as a as a pro prospect in that regard. Hey, Frank Harris is more of a college kid, uh, college player, but I think he's a really good college player. Uh, the other part of it, too, is Tulane lost a lot off their defense. I think they've got like two or three starters coming back from their defense, which is it is a big blow for a team like that and a team that that had a lot of really competitive close wins last year. You know, beat Houston by three, only beat ECU by 15, uh, beat Memphis by 10. It was a competitive game, beat Cincinnati by three, beat USC by a point beat K-State by a touchdown. That's some really good wins last year. But they a team like Tulane, to me, is going to struggle a lot when they lose that that many players off their defense. And then the other thing was losing Tajay Spears is going to hurt a lot. I love that kid. He ran for 1,581 yards last year, 19 touchdowns, had 256 receiving yards, heck of a football player, and absolutely went off, went off against USC for 205 yards. He was so good down the stretch, had 181 against Cincinnati, 191 again, 199 against UCF, 205 against USC. He went for over 100. He had at least 121 yards in each of his last eight games. Teams like you, Tulane are going to have a tougher time replacing that kind of player. And it's also, honestly, it's partly why I had them not. I initially didn't even have them in my top 25, but I think what they did last year was good enough. And with a, a, a really good coach coming back, a proven coach a really good quarterback coming back. I think they returned three to four offensive line starters up front, which should help them. So they should be able to, to, to be successful on top of the fact that their schedule is not quite as daunting as it was last year. With UTSA, they return a lot of starters. They have to prove to me something that Tulane has proven, which is that they can go out and, and beat a Power 5 football team. That is not something USA, UTSA did last season. They obviously lost to Texas. I, I believe they had a, a win in 21, 
over a Power 5 team. Yeah, Illinois, but Illinois was not a very good football team. Where Tulane has gone out, went out last year and beat two really good football teams at the Power 5 level in Kansas State and USC. But I really like what UTSA did last year. I absolutely love Frank Harris as a player. I think he's very talented. They have a lot of kids coming back. They lost one of their receivers, I believe, went uh, transferred somewhere, but they have a lot of kids coming back. Decent amount of players coming back on defense. And I think their schedule this season is is a lot more manageable uh, than you know your typical AAC team compared to last last few seasons. So losing Cincinnati and Houston and UCF has really sapped that conference of a lot of its a lot of its best teams. So I don't know that you should have as many ranked teams in there. But we're going to find out if I'm right at you on UTSA early, though, right? And this is the whole point of this is the question mark. Can they beat those those Power 5 teams? Because they start the season off with two road games in the first four weeks against those type of teams. They play at Houston in the opener. They play Texas State and Army next back-to-back. And then they play at Tennessee. So I'm either they're either going to solidify themselves as a top 25 team in the opener or they're immediately going to be out. And they're going to get tested right away. Illinois is the next team that I have uh, there. I have them ranked number 23. I talked about this last week when we did our top 25. So when we did our ranking of, of Illinois last week, I actually had Illinois third in the big 10 West behind Wisconsin. But the more I thought about it, the more I broke it down, the more I really studied them. I actually, when I posted my rankings on the message board, I actually flipped them and, I, and I'm a little higher on Illinois now after really breaking it down. And a lot of it's about their schedule, right? And that's part of this, this, this thing too. I didn't mention earlier, schedule should factor into where you have a team. If from a little bit of a projection standpoint, they've got Penn state at home, they get Nebraska at home, they get Wisconsin at home. Their tough road games are at Iowa and at Minnesota. And also they, they skip Michigan and Ohio state. That's going to help Illinois. And and even though they lost some really good players on defense, a really good running back, they have a lot coming back. And so I, I like what they do. They have very good defensive line, one of the best defensive tackles in college football. And uh, I, I like what Illinois does. I, I have them solidly the top 23. You have NC State. Uh, probably should have helped if I would have spelled Wolfpack correctly there. I have NC State 22. I, I like this NC State team. And I think when you look at them last year, they were a quality football team. They were an 8-5 and five team. They were ranked late November. Uh, as a matter of fact, they were ranked as late as, as uh, ranked as late as November twelfth, and that's when they lost at home to a, a, a not a very good BC team, twenty-one to twenty. They were coming off a very good win over Wake Forest. They beat Florida State last year, had a competitive loss to Clemson, uh, and you know we're a quality football team. The problem was quarterback. They had some major problems at quarterback. Devin Leary got hurt early, and he wasn't very good when he when he was playing. MJ Morris stepped in and, and had some nice games, and then he got banged up and and uh, didn't wasn't able to finish the season. So you know he didn't, for example, he didn't play against uh, Louisville last season in that loss. He got hurt in the BC game, I believe, didn't play very well, didn't play in the bowl game uh, that season either. But they were two and one in the two in the they were two and zero oh actually in his first two games as a starter, and he threw six touchdowns in those two games before he got hurt. Then they brought in Ben Finley. He just wasn't that good. With all due respect, Ben Finley wasn't that good of a player. Put up okay numbers, but just not a guy that's going to make winning plays. And he went one and two as a quarterback. Well, now you look at at who they're bringing in as their offensive coordinator. They got Robert and Robert and I as their offensive coordinator. You look at what he did at Syracuse, and we talked about this uh, recently, where you took an offense like Syracuse that was terrible throwing the football, and in one year he gets it turned around. He did great work at Virginia with a kid named Brennan Armstrong. Well, guess what? He's now back at NC State. Got decent weapons to work with, but he's got Brendan Armstrong transferred in at quarterback on top of a pretty quality 
Tony Gibson defense. They had some key losses, but they've got some really good players coming back like Peyton Wilson. So I like NC State. I also think NC State has a, a schedule that I, I think of the ACC teams that I are, are sort of were in that contention for this this kind of this role in the top 25. I looked at Duke. I looked at Louisville. I looked at a lot of the other teams. Those teams just have a little bit tougher schedules. They play Notre Dame early at home, but they get Louisville at home. They get Clemson at home. They get Miami at home, and they get North Carolina at home. Their only really tough road game that, as I see it, as of right now, is at Duke. Their other road games are at Virginia, uh, at Wake Forest, and at Virginia Tech, games that they certainly should be able to win if Dave Dorn does his job. So, yeah, I could see them beating UConn in the opener. They play Notre Dame the next week. They drop that game, which is not a given for Notre Dame. Then they play VMI at home, then at Virginia, then home against Louisville, home against Marshall, then at Duke. If they're able to, to win the games they're supposed to at home and then beat Duke, they're going into October 21st bye week with a six and one record in a, in a top 20 ranking. I really like this NC state football team, uh, especially with the addition of Brendan Armstrong. I don't see him putting up the numbers he did at Virginia two years ago, but I think their offense is going to be better. And then this next one is a little bit of a projection for me. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Arkansas lost some players. They lost some coaches, but they've got some really talented, talented players coming back. Obviously rocket Sanders comes back. He's outstanding. If you have not had a chance to watch rocket Sanders play do so, he's a really explosive player. Uh, the name is fitting. He averaged six and a half yards a carry last year, rushed for over 1,400 yards in the SEC. Very, very good football player. And they also get K.J. Jefferson back. And if you look at Arkansas last year, he was banged up a lot. They, they, he missed two full games, com- completely missed two full games. They lost both games, including a 13-10 to 10 loss at LSU, where they were ba- at home against LSU, where they were basically down to their, they were basically down to their last two third-string quarterback at that point in time. They went seven and four with KJ at the at quarterback. They had a, a really tough two point loss against Texas A and M in a game they neutral field they shouldn't have lost. To be honest with you, they had a, t- a tough two point loss against Liberty. I believe KJ got hurt that game. Did not play well through two picks. But when he came back, they won two of their last three. Beat Kansas in a bowl game. Beat Ole Miss. I just think when K- if KJ Jefferson's healthy with Rocket Sanders, this is a really quality football team. Uh, they got some good transfers in. Not a ton, but they returned some really veteran players. They were going into year three of Sam Pittman. I just think this is a quality football team that deserves being a top 25. And as long as K.J. Jefferson stays healthy, I'm going to continue to advocate for Arkansas being a top 25 team. Now this team 16 through 20, number 20 of the North Carolina Tar Heels. This is, going to, this is an interesting one because there's a lot of talk about the loss of Phil Longo. And I understand it. And he certainly put up some good numbers, but I've heard some things about that relationship he had with Drake May and just, you know, he had the role he kind of played in that team falling apart last year. I think he went away from the run game way too much. I think that if you look at the defense late in the year with uh, at North Carolina, they weren't great by any stretch. They got better. They lost some players that honestly, I, I don't know if those guys necessarily had the right attitudes. I think that they're going to be a little bit better this year. They're a little bit more veteran team. I think they're going to get back to running the football a little bit more. They have a very talented young backfield. Obviously, Drake May is a very good runner. Elijah Green's a good player. But they had two freshmen last year I like a lot, Maureen Hampton and George Petaway. I think getting both of those guys back is big. I think they're going to be a team that's going to be much more physical running the football this season, which is going to take some of that pressure off Drake May. I think their defense is going to be good enough to allow them to go out there and be competitive. And I think when you look at their schedule this year, 
obviously they've got some tough games. There's no doubt they've got some tough road games in the schedule, but they don't they play at Clemson at NC State down the stretch, but they should have a chance to win a lot of games early. Then uh, South Carolina game is going to be very telling for North Carolina. I like South Carolina. They just missed my top 25. Uh, their schedule's tough, which is partly why. If they can win that game, then they got App State and Minnesota the next two weeks. Then at Pitt, that'll be a test and a bye week. And then they're at home for almost a month. They got Syracuse at home, Miami at home, Virginia at home. Then they're at Georgia Tech, who is going to be better, but still has some issues. Then they're home against Campbell and home against Duke before that back-to-back road games against Clemson and NC State. So if they can beat South Carolina in that opener, they've got a chance to be at worst an eight and two team going into that Clemson and NC State stretch. And that's going to determine whether they can be a nine and three top 20 caliber team or if they're going to fall out. But I think right now the schedule having an elite quarterback like Drake may, I think it's a shift in philosophy that's going to allow them to be a little bit more of a balanced football team uh, are all things that I, that I like about this North Carolina football team going into 2020. Oregon's a team that I probably, I'm going to assume I have them lower than a lot of you. And here's the reasons for it. Oregon lost a lot of dudes off their team last year. A lot of dudes. And honestly, I don't think Oregon was all that good last year relative to what their record looked like. I loved what Bo Nix did. I think Bo Nix was a really good football player. I think they caught a little bit of a break against Washington State, beat them. They had a nice win over UCLA, but they didn't have to play you they didn't have to play USC last year. Uh, I think that helped them a lot. They got beat by Oregon State. They got beat by Washington at home. They barely beat Utah. The, Utah gave that game away in my opinion they lost i think four starting offensive linemen now they're replacing with a bunch of transfers but that's not a position i like to have a lot of transfers stepping into my lineup offensive line they've got some transfers coming in on defense you're basically banking on this being a team that can go out there and win games i also think the loss of kenny dillingham is going to hurt the guy that they hired it's a good football coach i think he came from utsa will stein i believe he was utsa the last couple of years he's a good football coach but I, I really liked what Kenny Dillingham did. I wasn't high on Kenny Dillingham early in his career, but he really has won me over the last couple of years. Uh, I think he's he's a, he's turned into a pretty good coach. You've got the turnover there. I just don't. I'm not a big fan of Tosh as a defensive coordinator. I'm just not super high on this Oregon football team. I'm just going to be honest with you, and I don't think they're quite as good, uh, honestly, as 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 people make them out to be. I think top twenty is a fair ranking for them. But I could see them falling out a little bit. I'm just I'm just not super high on this football team. And when you have the losses they have in the, in the on the offensive side of the ball at the big boy position, and you look at some of the ways they won games last year, I just think they're going to have a little tougher time with it uh, than than they did. They lost, obviously, as I said, two of their last three, and and honestly, weren't a couple plays here and there from being zero four down the stretch. To be honest with you, the game that's going to tell me honestly if I'm right about them or not is really going to happen in week two. And that's when they go to Texas Tech. I like Texas Tech. And the only reason I don't have Texas Tech in my top 25, I I really wanted to put Texas Tech in my top 25. I loved how they ended the season last year. But they have one of the most brutal schedules in college football. I mean, their schedule is absolutely nuts this year. Not only do they play Oregon early in the season, they play at Wyoming. They play at West Virginia, at Baylor, at BYU, at Texas, at Kansas, then they get UCF, TCU, Kansas State, and Houston at home, and then they get Oregon at home. That is a very, very for, – for that team, that is a really, really tough schedule, but I really like what Joey McGuire is doing there. I do. I think he's doing some nice things. They play defense. They, for a Big 12 team, they're getting better there. 
they're they're not so much the run and shoot that they've been in the past. I like what he's doing there. Their schedule is really tough, and so if Texas Tech can beat Oregon in that first game, then you flip those two teams. But you know, right now Texas Tech has to prove to me they can win that that football game. But I like what Texas Tech is doing, and uh, if they if Oregon can beat them in week two at Texas Tech, then I'll be a believer in Oregon, and they'll jump up my ranking. I just I need to see that from them because I was just I was not. I mean, they put up points. They just had better players than everybody they played last year, and I didn't like. I didn't think Dan Lanning impressed me a ton as a coach, as an in-game coach. You know, he'll, he'll get better, I guess, but I thought he benefited from a really good offensive coordinator. I think he benefited from having more talent than the teams he played most weeks. And I'm, you know, like I said, I'm just, I'm not a believer. I think the one team they played that had a, a talent advantage over them, uh, the two teams that they had, to, the only team really that had a top-to-bottom talent advantage was Georgia, and they beat them forty-nine to three. I think Washington out does not have more talent than Oregon. They just outcoached them. Oregon State does not have more talent than Oregon. They just outcoached them. And I think that's what it boils down to for me while I'm not assigned Oregon. We've talked a lot about Iowa. Uh, had that had that last week. Don't need to rehash that too much. I just think the additions that they had are going to uh, make them a better football team. I, I love how Iowa finished the season last year. I think they were a really quality team down the stretch, When you, especially when you consider the issues they had at quarterback. You know, they're a team that won five of their last six games. Their only loss was a touchdown loss to Nebraska, a game they should not have lost. And then they smacked Tennessee 21 to nothing. They beat Wisconsin down the stretch, beat Purdue on the road 24 to three in November. Purdue obviously won the West, uh, beat Minnesota on the road. I really like this football team. And I loved how they bounced back from the Ohio State beatdown. I mean, they, the, they were in every game they played outside of that. Even the Michigan game is 27 14. They battled Michigan. They just had no offense. Lost by 13, lost to Illinois on the road by three lost to Iowa State at home by three, and beat a really good South Dakota State team at home. A really good South, which was the craziest stat line ever. They won seven to three, didn't score a touchdown. I don't know that I've ever seen that in my in my life of, of football. But I really like the talent Iowa has on defense. They We've pointed out that they just replace players every year. But you give them Cade McNamara, who's a really solid game manager, and you may say, well, that, that doesn't excite me too much. But that's exactly what Iowa needs. They need a kid that can make some throws. And, and I liked how Cade played two years ago. He was a game manager at Michigan as well, but Ohio State, he made some money throws. He was big time against Michigan State, keeping Michigan in that game. They left. They ended up losing late. I thought he played really good against Penn State. J.J. McCarthy, I get the move, and that's totally fine. I, I think it was a fair move to make. You're going with the upside play there with J.J. McCarthy, but I really like what Cade does as a game manager. I did not want him at Notre Dame because I think they need more of a playmaker at Notre Dame, but for Iowa, it's a huge upgrade for Iowa. And, of course, we know Phil Parker's a great coach. Uh, 17 Oregon State. I, I was surprised at how many people I thought I, when I started looking into the, you know, doing a ranking, I'm like, I'm going to have Iowa State really high or uh, Oregon State really high. And I thought I was going to have this like really savvy, you know, hey, I'm smarter than everybody else, you know, kind of prediction for Oregon State, uh, w- you know, with DJ Uyunglele coming in and all that kind of stuff. And nope, I'm wrong. Everybody kind of has Iowa and their t- or Oregon State in their top 25. So, I think people, the secret's out a little bit on Oregon State. You know, obviously finished last year 17th, kind of snuck into that spot a little bit last season. And uh, it was kind of weird. They finished 17th, but they went into the bowl games 14th and then dropped three spots after beating Florida 30-3. to I, I can't figure out ranking sometimes. But they had a very quiet 10-3 and season last year. I think the pickup of DJ Uyunglele is going to be very good for them. Uh, I think that the, when you look at that system – it, here's the thing about DJ. I thought he was definitely overrated. 
definitely overrated coming out. He was not a five-star kid, but when you watch him play, he's a big-armed pocket quarterback. When you look at the game against Notre Dame in 2020, for example, where was DJ making his big throws? He was making big throws down the field. They treated him like a pocket quarterback. And then over the last two years, they started doing more and more of the quick spread stuff that required like quick timing. And he's got this really long throwing motion. His game, his skill set, his motion, it's just not built for that offense. And then I think that just shook his confidence a little bit. I don't think he's a big-time player, but I think he's a good quarterback. And this is another team that won last year in spite of their quarterback play. I mean, their quarterback play last season was really bad. And on the season, they had 25-94 as yards. They had 16 touchdowns, 13 picks on the season. One of their quarterbacks transferred to Ohio State just to be their third stringer so he could – I mean, I assume he's kind of getting into coaching or something. I have no idea why. DJ will help solidify that. They have a really good running back. If you if you did not watch Damian Martinez last year, again, I'm just trying to help you all out, do so. Didn't play a whole lot early, so they started the season 4-2. Four, four and two. He had five carries against USC for 14 yards. He didn't have a single 100-yard game until the middle of October – only had 10 carries against Utah, lost both of those games, only carries the ball three times against Stanford. One of them is a long touchdown run that helps him win that game 28-27. That he becomes kind of the featured back after that. He goes for a buck eleven against Washington State in a win, a buck seventy-eight against Colorado in a win, 107 in a law and a three-point loss at Washington. That's the only game. They went seven and one down the stretch, and the only loss was at Washington by three points. He had a buck 07 there, 105 against Cal in a blowout win, didn't play a ton. He had 138 at Arizona State. Then he had 103 in the win over Oregon last season. Uh, kid's a good football player, man. I really like this kid. He's a big, physical, 230-pound back with really nice feet. Uh, I love what their offensive line is outstanding. They play really good defense. I love what, what Jonathan Smith is doing at Oregon State. And if they just had more players in the perimeter, I'd have them higher. I really would. I would rank them higher if they just had a little bit more product, a little bit more talent up front. To be honest with you, um, that's I, I like that football team quite a quite a bit right now. TCU, I had a tough time with TCU. I initially kind of didn't want to have him in my top twenty-five. I just I felt like last season was a lot of smoke and mirrors. I do. I thought they were coached really well. I think the world of Sonny Dykes as a football coach, I think one of the biggest mistakes that that Cal made was getting rid of him. I, I just I thought that was kind of silly. I, I think he's just a really good football coach. The quarterback that they had, obviously, Max Dugan is gone. The counter to that is like, well, Chandler Morris beat him out in the preseason. He did, partly because Max had some offseason injuries. But Max Dugan was the heart and soul of that team. They lost a bunch of their receivers. They lost their top running back. They lost a lot of guys on defense. And as I said, I just feel like a lot of what they did last year was a little bit of smoke and mirrors. Now, they're still a good football team, but they lose a ton. Their schedule's pretty challenging, and they lost their offensive coordinator. But at the end of the day, this is still Sonny Dykes' football team, and he's a offensive guy. The other part that kind of concerns me about them is their schedule is not easy. They play at Houston, at Iowa State, at Kansas State, at Texas Tech, and at Oklahoma. And then they get Texas at home, BYU at home, Baylor at home, SMU at home, and Colorado at home. So not an easy schedule. I ended up kind of selling in on number 16 for them because 
you have to figure what happened last year into the conversation. You just have to. And, and to me, when you look at what they did last year, I do like Sonny Dykes as a coach. I do think Chandler Morris is a, is a quality quarterback. I believe they deserve a spot in the top 25. We're going to find out how long they can hold on to it. Obviously, the first month and a half, they should win a lot of those games. At Houston's really the only game that they might lose if they don't if they're a good football team. But even then, I think they should win that football game. It, we're going to find out who they are more so in the middle of October. So they're Colorado at home, Nickel State at Houston, SMU at home, West Virginia at home at Iowa State. I don't think much of Iowa State this year. There's a chance they could be six and zero right then. But then they play BYU at home at K-State, by week, at Texas Tech, home against Texas, home against Baylor, at Oklahoma. So a lot of games that can lose there as well. So that's gonna we're, we're going to find out what kind of football team that they are late. But I think just what they did last season, and, and they have enough talent coming back that they deserve to be in that top 25 range. My 15 through 11, you're going to see Kansas State there at 15. I thought about having them higher. If they, if they, if they just brought Deuce Vaughn back, I'd feel so much better. They've got, I think, four starting offensive linemen back. I love what Chris Kleeman is doing as a football coach. Obviously, hanging on to his offensive coordinator, Colin Klein, will help. Will Howard comes back. He's now entrenched as their starting quarterback. What we're going to find out about Will Howard is, and I still think he's a bit of an of an unproven commodity, and I'm going to, and I'm going to say that because I know he did some good things last year. But it's a whole different situation when you're in the, the quarterback type of universe that he was in last year where he didn't start the season as a starter came off the bench there wasn't a ton of pressure on him came off the bench after uh, Adrian Martinez got hurt played well you know threw for 296 and four touchdowns and a win over Oklahoma State 48 nothing they lose to Texas the next week you know Will Howard gets back into the lineup doesn't have any huge huge games did throw for 294 against West Virginia but he manages the offense he throws nine touchdowns in the last four games and they won all four of them including beating TCU in the Big Ten 12 title game. But he did that basically as the backup quarterback. Went into the season as the backup quarterback. Now it's his team. Now it's he's, it's his he, – he was the guy this offseason. He's the guy that they're looking for. Can he still do that? I, I don't know. But I love what this football team does. I love what Chris Kleiman is building. They, they're going to be 15 for me. I have Utah 14 for a couple reasons. Number one, they did have some key personnel losses. Number two, their schedule is brutal. And then number three, to be honest with you, it's the injury to Cameron Rising. I would have considered having them up ahead of Texas and Tennessee if Cameron Rising wasn't hurt. I think Cameron Rising is an overrated quarterback when we're simply just looking at where he should rank in the national ranking. I see people having him top five, people having him instead of Sam Hartman. If you just look at him with no context, who is, who is Cameron Rising? He's a solid college quarterback. He, he, that's just what he is. He's not a put a team on his shoulders, you know, throw for 4,000 yards kind of guy. He's just a good, solid quarterback. Last year, 3,034 yards, 26 touchdowns, eight picks, only 7.9 yards per attempt. That's below average, in my opinion. You know, rushed for 465 yards, six touchdowns. I mean, those are those are Ian Book type of numbers. But here's the 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 context. He fits that system perfectly. He's a gamer. He's gritty. He's a leader. He can make plays when you need him to make plays in a gritty style. I just think they lost a little bit too much talent around him, and the fact that he tore his ACL in the bowl game it just makes me really question how much he's going to play this year and how healthy will he be. I just I don't. That makes me nervous, and that all honestly made me want to drop them a little bit lower, especially when you look at their schedule. 
They play Florida in the opener. They play at Baylor. Then they're home against Weber State, then home against UCLA, and then at Oregon State. So they have a brutal first five months, of first five games of the season. We're going to find out who they are. They got some talent coming back, some big boys coming back. But I just – I have question marks. Tight end, they should be okay. It's the quarterback that really is the reason, though, why I'm, I have concerns about Utah and why they dropped a couple spots from where I think they should be for a team that's the back-to-back Pac-12 champs and also a team that whose coach I have a ton of respect for. 13 have the Tennessee Volunteers. This is another team that I have a really challenging time on because when you look at Tennessee and what they have coming back, you know, they lost two really good receivers, but they also have some guys coming back that played a lot of football last year at receiver. Uh, I thought Brew McCoy was a solid player for them. Can he be a number one? We're going to find that out. I don't, I don't know the answer to that. They have a decent amount of talent coming back on the defensive line. They've got, a, I think, three offensive linemen coming back. They've got talent at running back coming back. And the question really comes down to, I, I believe Jalen Wright is back. Let me just check that real quick. But I believe, I just want to make sure that I'm not misspeaking here, but I believe Jalen Wright, their running back, came back. I uh, Give me just one second, everybody. I'll have this here in uno momento. All right, SEC. That's Athlon. That, that magazine is not good this year. Sorry, just it just wasn't. Let me get to uh, Tennessee real fast. I should have wrote this down, but I I think that Jalen Wright comes back. He is the running back they had last year. And ye- no, does did he not come back? Because they have somebody else listed as the starter. Yes. Okay. All right. So yeah, it looks like he is back. So they have two really good running backs coming back. I like Jalen Wright a lot. He had 10 touchdowns. Jabari Small was their number two back. He's coming back. The receiving core has talent, right? I mean, Brew McCoy is a good football player. Uh, Squirrel White had 481 yards as a freshman last year. He was kind of a big play guy for them. Their offensive line returns, I believe, three starters. They did lose Darnell Wright, who was a top 15 NFL draft pick last year. Defense returns some good players. Here's where it comes down to for me on t- for Tennessee part of the reason I had a tough time with them is because they're ranked where they are for two reasons. Number one is who they were last year. Again, you have to take that in consideration. You cannot ignore what a team was last season. And what they were last season was an 11 and two football team that smacked Clemson in a bowl game that uh, beat Pitt on the road, beat Alabama last year, beat blew out LSU last season. Their losses were a, they had a bad loss at South Carolina really bad loss. And then they lost at number one, Georgia. And they had a lot of teams that they just weren't even competitive. I mean, they just blew people out. They blew out ball state, blew out Akron. Florida game was a five point game. It wasn't that close. Florida scored late to make it that way. I blew out Tennessee, Martin, blew out Kentucky, blew out Missouri, blew out Vanderbilt. And just really came, you know, the game against Clemson was closer. Clemson was missed like four field goals, including a, a field, a fake field goal that didn't work that game. It would have made it closer, but they didn't. And they controlled the second half of that game. The concern I have is is really comes down to Joe Milton. I'm just not a believer in Joe Milton. I, I thought he made some big big time down the field throws against Clemson, but he was even in that game he was inaccurate against Vanderbilt. He was I think he was like five hundred or fifty percent I should say in that game uh, completion wise. It was just kind of okay in that game. I, I think not having some of the big time playmakers that they had last season are, are going to impact them a little bit. I'm just not a believer in Joe Milton. You know, he got beat out by Hendon Hooker. That's nothing to sniff at. Hendon Hooker's a heck of a a quarterback. 
He's also a guy that got benched at Michigan for Cade McNamara, and he struggled that in, in that system. Can he run this system over the course of an entire year? Here's what I've heard about Joe Milton. I've heard he's a really good leader. heard he's a great locker room guy. Big-time arm. Good athlete. I just don't think he has a lot of, to me, arm talent. He has arm strength, but not arm talent. And and that's kind of where I'm at with uh, with Joe Milton for this season is is right there is if he is as good as Tennessee fans hope then they're not only going to be 13 they could be in the top 10 I think their schedule sets up well enough for that they play Virginia in the opener Austin P at Florida UTSA South Carolina they get AM at home then they're at Bama at Kentucky then they're home against UConn at Missouri they get George at home and Vanderbilt at home so they could lose to Alabama if they could split with Alabama and Georgia and then just not get upset by a Kentucky on the road, a Missouri on the road, South Carolina at home, if they can split those two games, now all of a sudden you're talking about Tennessee being a potential playoff team because they don't play it. They don't get LSU this year. They would get LSU in the SEC title game. But, you know, there, there's a lot to like. There's a lot to like about Tennessee. I just don't believe in their quarterback. That's really what it comes down to. 12 is Texas. This is the biggest projection that I have on this one. Um, hate folks, no, no political talk. All right, please just can we drop that out of out of the, the chat right now? Thank you. Number 12, I have Texas. This is my big projection. I understand why there's reservations about Texas. I need to see Texas prove a lot, but they return a lot of talent. I think that Quinn Ewers going into year two is going to be a better player. He's not going to be great, but I think he showed me some things late in the year. I actually thought I actually thought he played well in the bowl game. I've heard people hammer him for what he did in the bowl game, and I actually thought he played well. You know, threw for 369 yards. He had um, the receiver dropped a bomb that hit him right hit him right in the hands at first. Would have would have been another big play. I thought he did some good things in that game. I had some other big moments in the season. I think the the injury kind of sapped him a little bit early of experience that he needed, but he comes back and has a great game against Oklahoma. Just is kind of okay the rest of the way, but there's a lot of talent he's throwing to. Xavier Worthy's very talented. They got A.D. Mitchell coming in from Georgia. They got four starters coming back on the offensive line, which is going to help, and they got Kyle Flood. You're now going into year three, I believe, of Kyle Flood, who is very talented. I really like what Kyle Flood brings to the table as an offensive line coach, and I just think their defense is going to be good enough really, for them to be a, a, a top 15 team. Now, am I going to have them as a top 10 team? No, I can't do them as a top 10 team. Honestly, it, it just comes down to who were their wins last year? Well, they almost beat Bama, but they didn't. They beat K-State on the road. That That's it. They lost to TCU. Game wasn't that all that close. They lost to Washington. They lost to Oklahoma State. They beat a bad Oklahoma team. They lost to Texas Tech. Like their their claim to fame is ooh they almost beat Alabama. Well, they didn't beat Alabama. They got a lot to prove. But I just I, I think the roster's really talented. It, it is. It's there's a lot of hype about that roster, and I think it's fair. I, I think it's it's a it's a fair ranking to me to have them there. I, I do. I just they just have to prove a little bit before I can get them into the top ten. But they are a to me a dark horse team that has a chance to do some damage this year. I, I do think Texas can be that kind of football team this season. Number 11, I have Florida State. Seminoles are a good football team. There's no doubt. I think there's a little bit too much being put on them right now. 
So Florida State 11, a lot of talent coming back. I like the roster. I think they've got talent at receiver. I think getting Keon Coleman to go with Johnny Wilson is huge. They've got a good slot. They're getting uh, the Jaheim Bell at tight end is good. They've got three starters coming back on the offensive line. There's talent coming back on defense. Uh, getting Braden Frisk is really big for them to me at, at the defensive tackle. What it really comes down to for me, however, is you know can Florida State win some of the big games? And they they kind of showed us that early with the win over LSU, but then they lost at home to Wake Forest. They lost to NC State. They lost to Clemson. Then they you know beat Miami, beat Syracuse, beat Florida, beat Oklahoma. Those were all teams they were supposed to to, to beat. They went on the road and had a quality win over Louisville early in the season. That that's good. So to me, Florida State's done a lot of the things that we needed to see them do to start believing the hype that they were going to be good. I mean, we saw them start off 0-4 and 21. Then they had three good wins in a row. Then lost to Clemson, lost to NC State, bounced back with a nice finish over Miami and BC before losing to a, a decent, you know, not very well, actually wasn't a, a very not a very good Florida team, actually. But they jumped up. They did well. They've got a lot of talent. There's a decent recruiting class coming in. They've had some really they don't they haven't brought in a lot of portal kids, but they've been clutch portal kids. They got Fentrell Cypress, a cornerback from Virginia, who's a good football player. There's a lot to like. I like Jordan Travis. I think he's a gamer. There's just a lot Florida State has to prove to me still. But the other reason, honestly, that I that I have Florida State a little bit lower is is their schedule. And the reason I have them behind Clemson is their schedule. They have to play Clemson at Clemson. Like, look, it just like when Clemson was ascending in the ACC, they couldn't you, – you can't count them as the team to beat until they beat Florida State. Well, they finally did, and they became the team to beat. And so to me this year, when you look at their schedule, they play LSU in the opener. they got to prove to me they can beat LSU again. That's not going to be easy. I think they can, certainly, but they got to prove it. And then three weeks later, they play at Clemson. If they can get, here's the deal about about Florida State. If they go one and one against LSU and Clemson, especially if they lose to Clemson, if they beat LSU and lose to Clemson, they got a bye week the next week. Then they're home against Virginia Tech, home against Syracuse, home against Duke, at Wake, at Pitt, home against Miami, home against North Alabama, at Florida. They've got a chance to run the table if they can get if they go one and one against LSU and Clemson. And to me, that gives them a chance to have a rematch against Clemson in the ACC title game. So they, the opportunity is there. And, and Florida State is a dark horse playoff team for me. I really do. I think Mike Norvell has finally gotten rid of some of the cancers that existed on that team. He's, he's brought a more blue-collar attitude. I think, Alex, somebody just said that I think their OC is the best coach on the team. I can't really disagree with that. Uh, he, he's done a great job as their offensive line coach. He's done a, He did a really nice job coordinating that offense last year. I think their defense got a lot better last season. It's going to be even better this year. I like Florida State a lot. I can contemplated having them in my top ten. Uh, I think you can make a case that they belong to they belong ahead of Notre Dame. The reason I don't have them there is the way that they finished, the way that Notre Dame finished, combined with the fact the way that Notre Dame dominated the ACC last season relative to the way Florida State did. Uh, you know, I just I think that factored into it for me. And then of course the projection of Notre Dame starting quarterback is three and zero against Florida State and two and zero against uh, Jordan Travis. And he beat Florida State last year at Florida State with Wake's Forest roster. To me, that's why I have them behind below Notre Dame. But they could easily sneak in to be a higher-ranked football team for me this season. I, I, I like where Florida State is trending. I just need to see one more jump from them before I can put them into the top 10, in my opinion.
Here's my top 10. Now here's comes your Notre Dame fighting Irish. I do have Notre Dame 10th. I've talked about reasons why. I think obviously the way Notre Dame finished the season last year, six and one down the stretch, half of those wins over ranked opponents. I think Marcus Freeman made some good hires this offseason. If you take away the, the process and just look at the end result, the hires were very strong, in my opinion. We, we're going to have a lot to learn about Jared Parker. Uh, he's he's kind of the one question that we have because we just don't know a lot of, of who he is and what he can do. But you look at the defense returns. I think I had something like the team returns over 300 career starts and and the defense has a lot more of them. There's a lot of kids that have played a lot of football on this Notre Dame defense. Being in year two of the Al Golden defense also helps them. I think that's important as well. And and I think that those are all factors that are going to play in. Of course, Notre Dame's schedule, two of the three best teams you play are at home. I think that factors into it as well uh, in, into their schedule. So I think those are things to um, – um, those are things that that factor in why Notre Dame is a top 10 team for me. I have LSU at number nine. LSU is a very intriguing team. Yes, they won the SEC West. I think they're getting a top five bumps because of the fact they beat Alabama. And, and I think that, that that doesn't take away from the season LSU had. I think LSU had a very good first season under Brian Kelly. 10-win uh, season, it's nothing to sniff at. But the reality is, is other than Alabama, they lost to every other good team they played, basically. They lost to Florida State in a game that they had a chance to win late, but Florida State also had a chance to put that game away. It was 24-17, to 17, and uh, Florida State's going to go in and score to make a 31-17 game over, and they fumble inside the five-yard line, and then LSU went down and scored, missed a PAT to, to tie the game. So to me – I just I, LSU goes out and gets blown out by by Tennessee, barely beats Auburn. Uh, okay, win against Florida. They if 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 KJ Jefferson plays against Arkansas, they lose. They get blown out by a bad Texas A&M team. They get blown out by Georgia. The, their claim to fame is beating Alabama, and that was a great win. I mean, great win. It wasn't a fluky win. It was a well hard fought game, and. I just I thought that was a good win. Somebody just said they did crush Ole Miss. Have you noticed who's not in my top 25? Ole Miss. I don't think Ole Miss is that good. I really don't. I know that they were ranked high, but Ole Miss is a team that lost five of their last six games, and a lot of them weren't close. It just I don't think – and their only win down the stretch was a, a three-point win over Texas A&M. Here's who Ole Miss beat last year. Troy, Central Arkansas, Georgia, Tulsa, Kentucky by three, Vanderbilt, Auburn, and Texas A&M. That's it. Ole Miss isn't a top 25 team for me. And so I, that win doesn't mean a whole lot for me. That's no different than Notre Dame blowing out Syracuse, to be honest with you. I love their quarterback. I think they've got a really good skill talent. Getting Logan Diggs to transfer in was really important for them. I think he's a really good football player. Uh, offensive line, uh, you got th- three to four starters coming back. They got a lot of talent coming back on defense. Year two of the system under Matt House is going to help them. Uh, you obviously have a very talented player coming back in, How- in Harold Perkins. This is a quality football team. They just have to prove to me that they can consistently win the big games. And I don't think that LSU has proven that. And when you look at their schedule this year, it's not going to be easy. They got to play Florida State in Florida. They You talked about, you know, they got to play at Mississippi State and at Ole Miss. They play Arkansas at home, you get Auburn at home, Army at home. Then they finish the season with at Bama, Florida at home, Georgia State at home, and Texas. I'll say this. If they can get out of the Bama game with one law, one to two losses, 
then then they're going to be they're no, that's how they prove it right i mean i'll say this like lsu fans may not want to hear this but if brian kelly goes 10 and 2 against a record that has florida state and on neutral field in florida grambling at mississippi state arkansas at home at ole miss at Missouri, who I think is going to be a much improved team this year, by the way, they return a lot. They were borderline top 30, 35 for me. Auburn at home, who I who I do think has talent. Army at home, which is not an easy game. By week at Bama, Florida, Georgia State, and then AM at home. If Brian Kelly goes 10 and 2 or better against that schedule, he is a heck of a football player. He is a heck of a football coach with a heck of a year. And 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 some of the questions I have about can he win, can he win at Notre Dame get answered? I mean Notre Dame, LSU get answered. So to me that that would be a really good season ten and two. And if it, if they're better than ten and two and they are a legit top five team, then he should be up for coach of the year because again their roster it's not anywhere close to what it was in nineteen. They have a very good roster, but it's not an elite roster in my opinion. I think they're getting pumped up because they beat Bama. If he does better than I think he's going to do, because I could actually see them like if I were to say, okay, this is your preseason ranking. Do you think this team is going to finish higher or lower than where you have them? I actually have LSU ranked lower. I project them to go lower than what they would would have coming in. So that's that's my thoughts on LSU. But if they're better, then that's a heck of a coaching job by Brian Kelly at this season. Number eight is Clemson. I know some of you are going to have a problem with this. I understand it. But this is, to me, where Clemson deserves to be. The whole Notre Dame beat them thing is good. It's partly why Notre Dame is 10. But head-to-head is not the end-all, be-all for me when you look at top 25s, uh, when you look at where teams should be ranked. It's about the entirety of your football team and what you have coming back. When I look at Clemson, yes, the Notre Dame game was an, was was a blowout, but that, to me, was an anomaly. It was just Notre Dame's night. And that tends to happen. We see that from time to time. It's like why I have LSU ahead of Tennessee. Tennessee whooped LSU's butt. But when you look at what they got coming back, they've got better talent coming back to me overall, a better quarterback situation. I think Clemson is going to be better quarterback this year with Kay Klubnik. He got very valuable experience last year down the stretch. I love the Garrett Riley hire, the offensive line for Clemson. This could be one of the best offensive lines they've had in a long time. It's a big Physical line. They were pretty young last year at spots. They got a lot of those guys coming back. I think DJ, I think Cade fits that offense so much better. Will Shipley's a good football player. There's decent talent behind him. The question on offense is similar to Notre Dame's. There's talent at receiver. It's young. Can it step up and play at a high level? If it can, then this offense could be really, really good. I think when defensively, they're yes, they lost some big time players on the D line. They still have Tyler Davis coming back. Rook, a row, row, row comes back still. Justin Maskell's a quality big end. Xavier Thomas is back. If he can stay healthy, is going to be a good football player for them. They've got a very good linebacking core coming back. I think Jeremiah Trotter individually is a little overrated as a preseason first, second team All-American. But he's still a really good college linebacker. Barrett Carter's a really good college linebacker that now going into year two as a starter has a chance to be really good. Their corners are better. I don't think they're as good as people make them out to be. They're better. They have a lot of experience of safety. Uh, I just like this football team. And here's the other part, too. I talk about schedule being a part of what goes into, into where a ranking is. And the fact of the matter is the two biggest games that they play, actually, you could argue three. So right now, looking at their schedule, they play four teams that are in my top 25. Florida State, Notre Dame, 
NC State, and North Carolina. Three of those four games are at home for Clemson. So that factors into it as well. Do I think Notre Dame can finish ahead of Notre Dame of Clemson? Yes. But you look at the entirety of the of the criteria that goes into it, I think Clemson deserves to be ranked ahead of Notre Dame right now. I won't be surprised if Notre Dame finishes ahead of them at all, but right now they belong there. Seven is USC. USC is an interesting team. You've got the best player in college football coming back. It's not debatable for me. Caleb Williams is a stud. You you upgraded your talent level on defense. I don't think that necessarily means you're going to be good on defense. Will they be better? It's hard to be worse. If we're going to be honest, it's hard to be worse. And so I, I look at their defense and I say, it, they might be able to make a couple more extra stops here this year. We'll see. Kalen Bullock comes back. He's a pretty good player. The big linebacker, Gentry, comes back. They got a couple transfers coming in. We'll see if those guys are, you know, team guys or if they're just looking for payouts. We'll, we'll find out for sure on that one. And and to me also, I look at it and I say, it's the offense side of the ball, which is why I'm not quite as high on them as some other people and why I think this ranking could end up being lower is I don't love their receiving core. I don't think it's as good as it was last year. It's still very good. I should say this. I don't love it relative to the expectations. I think that's a much better way of saying it. Saying I don't love it is an unfair statement. It's a very good receiving core. I just don't think it's as good as people make it out to be. You know, Taj Washington's a good player. Mario Williams is a good player. Brendan Rice is a good player. Dorian Singer's a good player. None of those guys are elite guys. As a unit, it's pretty good. Marshawn Latimer, to me, is not a huge uh, you know, upgrade over what they had last year. Die was a very, very good good running back before he got hurt. I like Austin Jones, good football player. The big concern for me is the offensive line. The offensive line for USC last year was very steady. It was a little overrated, but it was exactly what they needed. It was a steady group. You're going to need three transfers most likely to be starting for you on the offensive line. If not, in your, you might have four guys in new spots. I'm just not in love with the offensive line this year. I like Jonah Monheim. He's a nice football player. Their center's a nice football player. Brett Nealon, I'm just not in love with the transfers in. And I I think it's like I've said this with other teams. When you're com- Oregon, when you're completely relying on, an, on a, basically a new-look offensive line with a bunch of transfers, that's a position more than any other that you just need repeats. And they just – they are going to have to prove to me that that group can play. But I think with Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley's ex- talent, and, and I think you could have a situation where – you know, where they could be a really good team again this year. But the other reason why I'm just not I'm, – I'm, if I had to bet, I would bet on USC being a little lower than where they are now. And I've talked – we've talked about this on past shows. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Their schedule starts off pretty easy. San Jose State, Nevada, Stanford at home. Uh, you've got a bye week. Then you're at Arizona State. I have Arizona State in the bottom four teams in that division. I have, I have Colorado in the bottom four teams in that division. Then they're Arizona at home. You're talking about USC should be 6-0. and But this is how they finish. At Notre Dame, home against Utah, at Cal, who brings a lot of guys back, even though I don't think they're going to be that good. Washington at home, at Oregon, home against UCLA. That's going to be the make-or-break stretch for USC. Right now, they belong where they're at, in my opinion but I could see them dropping a little bit. But Caleb Williams is also good enough and Lincoln Riley is good enough where you could argue that they need to be ahead of Penn State. I think that's very fair. I just think Penn State at number six, I've always been on the Penn State's overrated bandwagon, and I've always believed it to be true. 
I do not believe that they were a top to me. They were not a, I had them 11 and two last year. Great win over Utah. Yes. Cameron rising got hurt, but they were controlling that game before Cameron rising got hurt. That was a good win. That was sort of that win that said, okay, maybe this Penn state team's a little bit different, but here's where it comes down to for me. Penn state is, is historically overrated, especially under James Franklin. However, I think this team has a chance to be pretty good. Somebody just said, I love Drew Aller. I do, but that's not the reason why. I don't think they're going to be relying on Drew Aller to go out there and win them 12, 13 football games. I think their offensive line started to figure some things out last year. It took Phil Troutwine a little longer than I thought it would take him to get that offensive line going, but they've got talent there. Olu Fashanu is one of the best tackles in college football. Uh, the kid that they have at right guard, Salim Wormley, is a kid that I loved coming out of high school. Uh, they've got Wallace coming back, very veteran offensive line. They got a transfer in from Kent State, Dante Cephas, who Notre Dame tried to, 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 to get to look at them. He, he wasn't interested in it. He's a PA kid, goes to Penn State, great pickup. Uh, Lambert's coming back. They've got good tight end play coming back this season, and they have one of the best running back combinations in college football. And they were both freshmen last year. That's the other part of it is when you look at the, at the running game for last season, Nicholas Singleton – and and Katron Allen combined for 1,928 yards, if I'm doing the math in my head correctly, 1,061 for Singleton, 867 for Allen, 22 touchdowns, and they were both true freshmen. They're going to be outstanding this season. They've had back-to-back really good recruiting classes. They played a lot of young guys last year. Their best linebacker to me last year, Abdul Carter, it was a true freshman. He's outstanding. Uh, Kobe King, I believe, was a redshirt freshman last year. Uh, they bring back Kalen King, who's one of the better cornerbacks in the country. Uh, defensive end, they've got good defensive ends. If they can figure out, the, and they've got players there, but if they can get guys to step up a defensive tackle, this Penn State team has a chance to be really good this season. Their schedule is also favorable, and it's a very manageable schedule, as, as Penn State often puts together. It's not a real challenging schedule. They play West Virginia in the opener. Uh, they then are Delaware at home. The next two weeks are, to me, going to go a long way towards defining their season at Illinois, home against Iowa. If they're 1-1 one one in those games, then they're okay. If they go 2-0 and in those games, they're going to be a team to watch out for. They have a bye week after they play at Northwestern, then they play UMass at Ohio State. I have as a loss. And Indiana at home, at Maryland, Michigan at home. I have them beating Michigan, which is why I have Penn State ahead of Notre Dame in, or ahead of Michigan in my predictions for the conference Preseason, though, they don't deserve to be ahead of Michigan. Then Rutgers and then at Michigan State. So I think Penn State's got as a dark horse. I've said this before. They're a dark horse uh, playoff team out of the Big Ten. I don't think they're going to do it. I think Ohio State's going to be that team, but they have a chance to be really good. I love I love the talent level that they've uh, accrued the last couple years. A lot of very talented young players. Their defense is going to be better. Year two under Manny Diaz. I'm not a big fan of Manny Diaz, but I've been very consistent about this. Even if you're not a good coordinator in year two, you're and you if you return a lot, your defense is most likely going to be better because those kids know whatever it is you're doing even better. And so I, I like what they bring back. Ends are back, linebackers are back, one of the best corners. Their safeties have some athleticism. They're always athletic. And they're going to be good enough to me to overcome what tends to be, you know, James Franklin not being the greatest in-game coach, but he's a good motivator and a heck of a recruiter. And this is going to be arguably his most talented team, top to bottom. I really believe that with Penn State, and we're going to see if they're able to prove that prove that to be true. So this is my top five. I think Washington at number five is going to probably shock a lot of you and, and, and get a lot of you to disagree with me on that. Totally fair. 
I'm projecting a little bit here, but I think Washington was one of the most underrated teams in college football last year. I really do. They return a ton. If Ohio State has the best receiving core in the country, they do. I think Washington's is number two. Michael Penix is the key. They got to keep him healthy. But when you look at this, that football team last year, they were they were the, the quietest 11-2 football team I've ever seen. They did not get nearly the attention and love that they deserve. And, and the funny thing is the two teams they lost to were both teams they flat out should have beat. You know, they, they smacked Michigan State, smacked Stanford. Then they lost at UCLA by eight. Then they lost at Arizona State by seven. I just still don't know how they lost that game. Bounced back with a win over Arizona. Bounced back with a win over Cal. Bye week. Beat Oregon State at home. Went on the road, beat Oregon, beat Colorado at home, beat Washington State on the road, a good Washington State team, and then beat Texas in a bowl game. I think their defense is going to be their question mark, but it's still better uh, than it was last year. They returned some good players. Obviously, Braylon Trice is an outstanding player. They got a couple good transfers in. Offensively, it's where it's at, though. The only red flag I have is they did lose a couple pretty good offensive linemen. They got a transfer in, I think, from an FCS school. It's a good football player. He's good. I think their running game is going to be better. They got a couple transfers in. They got a kid from Mississippi State, Robinson, this good football player. Uh, they also got Ngata from uh, Arizona State. So I think they're going to have a, a quality run game this year. Great receiving core and a big time back. And I'm a big Kalen DeBoer fan. He is an excellent football coach. And then you look at their schedule this season in 23. They get Boise at home at Michigan State, Tulsa at home, Cal at home at Arizona. They get Oregon at home. Arizona State at home, at Stanford. They're at USC is the big one. Home against Utah, at Oregon State, home against Washington State. The most disappointing thing of what happened recently with the Pac-12 is I have said this this entire offseason. The Pac-12 is the deepest conference in college football when it comes to the number of teams that can win that conference. Not deep from a – they got a bunch of play, you know, championship contenders and all that. Just from a the ability to win that division – and the, the back half of that schedule is absolutely jam-packed. We talked about USC earlier. Washington's second half of the schedule is, is also challenging. But they do get Washington State at home. They do get Utah at home. They get Oregon at home. So I, I really like what you what, what Washington does here. I think being 11-2, beating Texas, beating Oregon, I, I like them at number five. I think you could make a case to have a couple other teams ahead of them. I think you could you could make a case if you if you want to go back to – uh, you can you can make a case to have USC ahead of them. That's very fair. You can make a case to have Penn State ahead of them. That's fair. I mean, you can make a case to have Clemson ahead of them. Although I wouldn't be overly sympathetic to that. You can make a case for LSU. I like Washington here. I think they've done a really nice job. I like what their coach is doing. Ohio State at number four. Uh, again, you're talking about a team that went 11 and two last year, beat Notre Dame, beat Penn State, lost to Michigan, bad loss, and then took Georgia down to the wire. Outside of one bad day against Michigan, Ohio State was still a really good football team last year, a, a, an outstanding football team last year. They just they got to figure out that Michigan thing. And, and I've predicted Ohio State to win the Big Ten, for those who didn't watch that show. As I said before, my preseason top 25 is not a prediction of what will happen. It's where I think teams should be ranked going into week one. And Michigan is the defending Big Ten champs back-to-back. They've been in the playoff the last two years. They have beaten Ohio State the last two years. They deserve to be ranked higher, even though I don't think it's going to finish that way. I struggle with where to put Alabama because I have major question marks about their quarterback position, but I love their defense. But I here's the thing about Alabama. I really think Alabama is going to be a much better running team this year, and that's partly why Tommy Reese got hired. They have a massive 
offensive line. I mean, it is massive. They're going to be huge up front. They've got a very talented backfield. They've got some good returners coming back, but their freshman class is outstanding. I was not real high on the the kid they got from Georgia early on, but I loved his senior year film. Obviously, Richard Young is a part of what they're doing. Jason McClellan's a good back. There's a lot of talent at running back. I think they're going to be a much they're good. This is going to look a lot more like a pre Tua Alabama team, in my opinion. And that's why I have them kind of coming up because that's going to make their defense better. Because I think Alabama's got a chance to be really good on defense this year, even with Kevin Steele as their D coordinator, who I'm not a fan of, but there's just a lot of talent to work with there. If they can be a better ball control team running the football. You know, we've I've I've listened to some uh, press conferences of and listened to some reports from Bama people saying they're seeing a lot more twelve personnel and in, in practice and stuff. Y'all know Tommy Reese is going to want to throw the foot, run the football, and if they if he sticks to that and they go back to maybe a little bit pre to a offense like I'm predicting they will, I think Bama's going to be really good this year. Michigan at number two, I talked about, and then of course Georgia number one. Yes, they lost players, but they have a ton coming back. They're going to be a very talented football team. And it really comes down to this. I have a lot of concerns about whether or not George is going to finish here. Obviously, for number one, it's incredibly hard to win three in a row. Uh, I think Todd Munkin being gone is one of the, the most untalked about big stories that I have seen in college football. Uh, Mike Bobo is not someone I'm a big believer in, to be completely honest with you. I, I don't think he's a very good offensive coordinator. I don't think he's a great offensive mind. I do like Carson Beck, a quarterback. Their team is very talented. But it comes down to this, guys and gals. I'm a, I'm a big fan of when it comes to rankings like this, you're the champ until somebody beats you. And, and Georgia's 29-1 and one the last two years, and the only team that beat them was in the SEC title game two years ago, and Bama and Georgia got their rematch in the title game and won the championship. So I just – I can't discount Georgia being number one. I just – I can't. And so that's why I have them number one. So that is my top 25. For the season, the first official Irish Breakdown Top 25. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Took a little bit longer to kind of go through than I anticipated, uh, but uh, just wanted to kind of give you guys some some juice and some meat as to why I have those teams ranked where I have them. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? 
Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.